it really is like a, a whole nother group of yeah. consumers who really want to understand, who care about values, who care about our mission, who care about ingredients and supply chain. And I feel like, you know, we're really a beacon for that generation in a way yeah. because we've done all of that due diligence. Welcome to The Irresistible Factor, a podcast where I talk to founders and investors and retailers about what it takes to launch successful brands, from developing a compelling proposition and brand identity, to raising capital, to getting distribution, and more. My name is Christy Bridges, and I'm a marketing expert with tons of experience and a true love for all things health and wellness. Welcome to today's episode of The Irresistible Factor. Today, I'm so excited to be interviewing Susan Griffin-Black, who is one of the co-founders and CEOs of two brands. One is called Everyone, which is a value-based essential oil brand for families who want healthy options in hand sanitizers, soaps, and lotions. And the other brand is called EO, which is an aromatherapeutic brand um, that really enhances the quality of everyday life. So I am excited to hear about both brands, and I'm sure our listeners are too. So welcome, Susan. Thank you for being with us today. Well, thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Yes, happy to be talking to you. I'm excited to hear about both of the brands because I think they have a different space for people, but they're based in some similar values. So can you talk about how you decided to launch and which came first? Oh, sure. So we launched EO in 1995 as a private label project for Bloomingdale's holiday catalog and saw right away. And we launched with the four just essential oil blends, four little blue bottles. And I was sitting next to this graphic designer who used to work at Apple. And we were trying to just figure out what we should call it. And, you know, it was such a little space to actually brand. It was tricky. And then it really stuck because EO stands for essential oils. Mm -hmm. And so we added products and then took it out into the wholesale market. And in 1997, started doing business with Whole Foods. And at the time, they had 50 stores. So we really grew up in the natural products business, you know, and Whole Foods was always a major partner of ours. And really embraced what we did. And we, in turn, helped create personal care, organic personal care standards and sort of best in class ingredients. And we manufactured everything in at that time was in Corte Madera in a smaller facility and then moved up to a larger facility about eight years ago. So that's how we started. And we started with body oils, bath salts, soaps, you know very much body care and then sort of went into sanitizer about 15 years ago because it was not at that time an organic Mm -hmm. option. And we felt like we could definitely do a better for you. And it really took off during the pandemic in 2008, nine of H1N1. And so, you know, that EO hand sanitizer became sort of a portal for our customers, if you hadn't heard of us, that was a time to hear of us. And then, you know, that obviously led to people using other products. So, you know, it's still a strong part of our business. 
So that's, I mean, you were way, way ahead of the rest of the world on health and wellness products and on essential oils, which are now very much in the vernacular and people talk about it and use them. And I think that's relatively recent. So what's the, what was the trajectory like for you? Did you have slow growth at the beginning or was it steady all along? You know, it was steady growth, especially as we were getting into more natural health food stores. And then we were sort of there for part of the web boom in those 90s, you know, and then that sort of was a boom bust, you know, to go through. And, you know, at that time, we weren't really sure about shopping online yet. And (laughs) so we were a little bit, we dragged our feet about really building that out until much later. And so we just continued to come out with new products, you know, every quarter and launch them into our probably a couple thousand doors of, you know, natural health food stores at the time. And then as we know, you know, consumers started to care more and become conscious consumers and care more about the ingredients as they really learned about what was healthier to eat and to put in your body. They also were learning about what to put on your body. And so those things sort of, you know, emerged at the same time. And outpaced the growth of more conventional alternatives. And so when the mainstream market sort of came over to meet the natural market, all sorts of things happened and redefined, you know, what wellness looks like. And, you know, also, I think created a lot of consumer confusion about, you know, what to avoid, Mm -hmm. and what is really better for you. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there've been various ways to define that environmental working group has done a good job at, you know, reaching maybe 2 million people a week. And they have a very sort of good system, not perfect, but good system at really taking the worst for you chemicals and telling you what to avoid and telling you, you know, what better products are Mm -hmm. actually. So they do a lot of that work for, for all of us. And then we're also a benefit corporation, a B Corp. And that means, you know, we put planet and people and purpose right in that chronology over a profit. So mm-hmm. it's a fine line and balance, but we're always aiming to to do both, of course, yeah. to do all of it. Yep. So the past year must have been, you must have seen a lot of growth during the pandemic as well, this pandemic. Yeah. So we launched everyone in I'm telling you this now so I can tell you about the pandemic, but we launched everyone in um, late 2012 with six products in Whole Foods. And it really took off because it allowed us to look at our ingredients, figure out which of the essential oils and other botanicals we could use to make a lower priced Mm -hmm. value-driven line of products. And so we worked on margin and we understood that the margin could be met with volume. And so, you know, we put it out there and it was very well received and we just kept going. So the idea behind that was really to break the barrier of thinking that better for you was accessible to people, to everyone. Yeah. And, you know, that, that is our mission and continues to be that. I mean, when you look at Walmart, there's a Walmart, I think, 10 miles for 90% of Americans, you know, it's pervasive. And so the availability is a mission for us, Mm -hmm. you know, and accessibility for Mm -hmm. that price point. 
So, and we do hand sanitizer in that line as well. So when we came to the pandemic, I was actually on my way to our 26th Natural Products Expo wow. in Anaheim on like March 6th. Yep. And yep. And just did a big <laughs> circle, right? Yeah. And then came home and it was mayhem, you know, uh, between keeping everybody safe, which mm-hmm. was our mission, and then producing to demand, which wasn't really possible. You had those two things. And then we really wanted to help first responders, you know, just the police department, all the hospitals and healthcare workers who are on the front line. You know, we just launched into making as many hand sanitizers as we could and then trying to distribute locally, which is a challenge because, you know, we work through distributors. So you, you know, put things on a, you know, palletized on a big truck. It goes over here to come back over here. You know, I live in this like sort of smaller town, a little bit North of San Francisco. And I came, came back on a Friday night. I woke up on Saturday morning and we had a, a little store in, in Mill Valley for a few years and the line was around the block to buy so hand sanitizer. And it just totally like struck me that, you know, this was some way to make people feel a little bit more in control and a little mm-hmm. bit safer. So I just kept hand sanitizers, little ones in my pocket at all times to hand out. You know, I just started handing out hand sanitizer and mm-hmm. I went to our local market. No one had hand sanitizer anywhere oh. and just gave all the people that worked there, all the people at Whole Foods, all the people that could, you know, to just to try to contribute to any sort of feeling of safety yeah. and well-being, yeah. you know? Yeah. Did you have to stop production of everything else for that period of time? We did. Wow. Yeah. And so, you know, that for as great as that, the demand was that we could never meet and never try to meet because we weren't really financed that way. And, you know, we weren't really sure with Amazon algorithm. Yeah. What we were really moving towards because that just felt so extreme. So we tried to do it in a managed growth allotment sort of basis way, and then started adding our other products back into both brands in January, really. And it's taken us a while to still you know, get back into categories that we were in prior. I'm sure. So what's the plan for you guys going forward? You have two brands. They're very different in a way because... They're very different. Yeah. Yes. And is there one that feels like it's the future of your company or are they both equal for you? I mean, they're both your your babies in a way, right? Yes, they are. I think my kids who are 24 and 35, you know, they say EO is like their sister. Because they really grew up and everyone was like a little bit later. So I think that, you know, of course, both were deeply committed and also were committed to the same sort of charter of, you know, product charter and manufacturing just in terms of the safest, the best, you know, highest quality essential oils and supporting botanicals. And of course, you know, no parabens, no phthalates. We use we're a zero waste manufacturer. We use, you know, post-consumer resin packaging. We don't create any new plastic and haven't for a lot of years. So because they 
are sort of inspired by the same ethos, even though they're very different brands and the appeal is different, the, because we're makers at heart, we really understand and can develop in both ways, yeah. right? Yeah. So obviously during the pandemic and even before that, I mean, the, the health and wellness awareness especially in the food category was growing and growing and growing and then sort of exploded when people started to realize that it was really, really important to be healthier than we are. And do you feel like that's translating in an equally quick way to personal products or is it slower than food? I think it's a little bit slower than food, but it's really picked up steam and still the trajectory is, you know, pretty much hockey stick because... And also, you know, as it becomes sort of more Gen Z, Gen, yeah, you know, X, it really is like a, a whole nother group of yeah. consumers who really want to understand, who, who care about values, who care about our mission, who care about ingredients and supply chain. And I feel like, you know, we're really a beacon for that generation in a way, yeah. because we've done all of that due diligence. And that's the most meaningful to us. You know, we're still privately held, privately financed, you know, we, and so we've been in this space for a long time because we live this way. Yes. And so, so do our kids. And so, yeah. do, you know, it, so it just gets sort of passed on that way. So you're still privately held and privately financed. Do you have any thoughts of expanding or raising capital or is your goal to stay the course as far as that goes and scale as you see fit and, and in a slow and steady way. Yeah. You know, jury's still out on that. I mean, we say never. And then now we say maybe because, <laughs> because yeah. the truth is, you know, we, we haven't been marketers and there are a lot of brands who do better marketing than we do, mm-hmm. but the quality of the product mm-hmm. is, can't even touch the quality of product that we do. So after 25, six years, you know, we're still sort of the best kept secret that way if you haven't experienced our products. So, so, you know, we'll see what the future brings. And also we're in the process of, we just rebranded everyone with Mm -hmm. new packaging, you know, amber bottles that are 100% PCR and new labels. And that was in response to a lot of consumer insight studies and so forth. And then we're in the process of, sort of up-leveling EO in a different mm-hmm. way and making fewer, better products in the future. Yeah. It's interesting that you mentioned the other, like your competition is probably, there's probably so many more brands in the space than there were. I mean, when you started, there was probably almost nobody. And now there are all these people that I think you're right, are great marketers. They're great at Instagram. There are so many brands popping up every single day and they look really cool. Mm -hmm. They really do. But there's no way to really know what the substance is behind them if they're really high quality. I mean, they've been around for about 30 seconds in the relative scheme of things. But sometimes they're funded and some so it's interest it's probably a really interesting time for you guys because even though you're far, far, far from a startup or an early stage brand, you Mm -hmm. are now dealing with competition that is all startups and early stage brands. Yeah, and have all that like fresh startup energy. And, you know, they come up with a really cool, sustainable package that we couldn't do until unless we would, you know, start now because, you know, so whenever you sort of go into the street, the market stream, 
is where you get to start from. For us, very fortunately, you know, we've only produced products with essential oils, so we never got into synthetic. Yeah. We never had to make that change over. And now, you know, there's so many indie companies that are starting out with aluminum packaging or, yeah. you know, great, more sustainable packaging or solid. And, and we'll just have to see how those sort of products sort themselves out, you know, over time. But um, it's inspiring, you know, yeah. that so many people are, it is are inspiring. doing I mean, their own thing. And it's an indication that the world is really paying attention to things like this now. And that's awesome. I mean, there's so many great things about it, but I think it's just interesting to, for you guys to be in the place where you're at and to decide how you move forward. I think it's interesting. I mean, you have a lot of history. You've been doing it for a long time. You, you know what you're doing and there are all these people that don't for sure. Yeah. But they'll learn just like we did. They will. And, they will. Right. Yeah. You know, I always think that just learning is just a lifelong thing. And if you're naturally curious and, you know, sort of want life to be a more sort of expansive experience, then, you know, all of this is very exciting because working out new solutions, better solutions yeah. and better products always, you know, yeah. greener, better, safer. And it must be, I mean, I know this from my own perspective, it's stressful to have lots of new competition, but it's also exciting to, it keeps you on your game. You know, it keeps you on your toes and um, reminds you that, it's important to always be paying attention to what's going on. And how do you guys go about like getting new distribution or is that a thing for you now? Or are you happy with where you're at and doing a lot of, I assume a lot of direct to consumer on your website? Yeah. Direct to consumers now, you know, clearly a, a foundational piece that everybody has to have. And, you know, yeah. we've ramped it up over the past and invested over the past couple of years. And yeah. then, you know, we're always, on the lookout sort of for new channels and, you know, travel channel, just returning to work and the whole B2B yeah. situation right now is, is really vital. And as people are going back out into the world, you know, yeah. so we're, I think we try to pivot and be extremely responsive to whatever's actually happening. You know, yeah. of course we have, you know, projections and commitments and, you know, but the beauty of manufacturing in a way is that you can switch it up pretty quickly. So what would you say to entrepreneurs who are thinking about starting brands in the health and wellness space or any space, but really the health <laughs> and wellness space, what advice would you give to people who are like, I don't know if I should do it or if I do it, should I do it on my own? Should I get a financial partner? What, what would you tell them? Yeah. So I would say do it on your own. And first, and you really see if the product has, and the brand and the idea has stickiness and that people mm -hmm. want it and that people will buy it a second time. And I think the way you do that is simply you just look around and wherever you are, you know, there are 20 stores or 20 places that you can get into plus online plus partner with, and you experiment fully you know, for a year. And I would say that the minimal, you you get up to over 100,000 a year, right? You do 100,000, the year you do 100,000 and you push to do that, then you can extrapolate a bit from that mm -hmm. to build to the next, mm -hmm. you know, half a million. So I'm talking about this like true bootstrap entrepreneur, want to do it myself, you know, 
not like I want to do this thing and sell it in three years necessarily. So you're, you know, this is just what I know and what we did. And I know that there are many, many other options. And I've been in a lot of other panels where people are on series C and the valuation is a billion. I'm not talking about that, right? We're, you know, just, we're just shy of a hundred. And so a hundred million. And so I can just tell you, and that's taken 26 years of work, work, work. So, and what we have in return is just working with great people, making beautiful products, making them in a way that anyone would be proud. And we're values driven and values led, you know, and you can't, sometimes that's hard to do when you have a very aggressive growth strategy that's hard to do if you have to design into a price point that doesn't afford certain ingredients. So, you know, we pretty much started as like, it's a company we'd want to work for. And then, you know, it's evolved pretty naturally and organically over the years. So I would say, you know, I have such a affinity towards female entrepreneurs and especially mothers because it does and has given me a way to never miss a parent-teacher conference, miss a basketball game, to have a much more integrated life, yeah. with family life. Yeah, that's amazing. And I think it's, I mean, it's so obvious that you're passionate about this because your goal wasn't to, to unload it for a lot of money. Your goal was to grow it and to make a change and make a difference in the world and make a difference in what people use. And I think that's really good advice because I do think that a lot of people I've spoken with and a lot of people I'm listening to on places like Clubhouse and podcasts, they're in a race to get to the selling of. And so different kinds of decisions that way. And I think that it's interesting to think about not just what it gets you from a financial perspective, but what you just talked about, what it gets you from a lifestyle perspective and what you can do and how you can behave when it's your company and you're doing it your way based on what's important to you. I mean, that's part of the reason that people go into business for themselves because it's a lot easier in a lot of ways to work for someone else, but it's also a lot more rewarding when you get to see the impact that you're making both in your own personal life and then also in the world. It's really cool. Yeah. I mean, I just think about our relationships, not only with, you know, the people that we work with, but just vendors, our banker, you know, and what we've cultivated and grown together over these years, you know, it's just, you know, it's been amazing. And people, so many people have helped us along the way and we're so grateful and we've grown, you know, our businesses together and it's a beautiful experience and a beautiful thing. And, you know, it does, as long as, you know, you're not bleeding money and as long as, you know, you have even moderate profit so that you can you know, put that back in and keep going. It has been a beautiful experience and I'm very grateful for it to have like a, a life with heart and meaning, you know? Yes. It's amazing. It's mm-hmm. super inspiring. I love it. Oh. And I think you're the, I'm not going to say the only person, but you might be the only person I've spoken to so far who hasn't really talked about, you know, selling and investing, getting investors and stuff like that. It's not that you're not saying never, but you're not, that's not your path right now. That's not your sole focus. And I think that's really inspiring because it doesn't have to be that. It can be something that becomes your lifelong journey and passion. It doesn't have to be something that you do and then get rid of and then start again. And there's a lot of people who do that. They start brands, they sell them, they do other brands, but that's the only way. And I think it's interesting to talk about that. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know that I'm a serial entrepreneur, really. You know, I wanted to create something that was much more community based. Yeah. And it wasn't about wealth creation. Yeah. Financial stability in a certain way. Yes. Yeah. But, you know, I'm, it just, you know, that was not my priority. Yeah. I mean, it seems like this is your legacy, not selling it and having, yeah, I think it's really cool. I think it's different. And I think it's going to be an interesting story for people to hear because it's it's less usual than the others right now. So that's really cool. And congratulations on getting to almost a hundred million dollars in sales. That's amazing. You must be thrilled. We're thrilled and, you know, we're working really hard. We're still, you know, under COVID restrictions and pretty Mm -hmm. much on lockdown in the factory and manufacturing. And so people are still working, you know, product creation and finance. Everybody's still working from home. Yeah. Hopefully that'll change soon. I think there's Mm -hmm. an end in sight. I really do. Yes. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I think this is going to be such an inspiring story for people to hear. And I really appreciate your time. Well, thank you so much for having me. And I really loved meeting you. Thank you for listening to The Irresistible Factor. I'm Christy Bridges, and I can't wait to see you next Wednesday.